Hello, and welcome to the Carl Road Baptist Church podcast. Be sure to listen all the way through to the end of the episode for additional info on where to find more resources for past sermons, as well as how to watch us live each Sunday if you can't join us in person at our Columbus, Ohio location. Let's prepare to hear this week's sermon and listen for what God is saying to you and what he wants to do in your life. We're in Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 20. If you're looking in the Pew Bible, that is at page 993. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up very quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, multiplying 30, 60, or even 100 times. Then Jesus said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may may be ever seeing but never perceiving and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they just, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop 30, 60, or even 100 times what was sown. Thank you, Amy, and good morning to everybody. Very grateful to uh, Pastor Josh that he invited me to uh, speak this morning. It's an honor to be back here again. As as Amy said, uh, this is uh, church has been near and dear to uh, my heart for many years. And as you know, uh, Pastor Rick was and is a um, a close personal friend. So last time I spoke here was in October of 2000 during COVID. And you weren't here, um, but uh, although you were, Rick said not to worry, the service streams and everybody will be home listening to your sermon. And also people all over the world will be able to hear uh, your message. And only later did I find out that uh, something went wrong with YouTube that day 
and the message never got out. So it was actually a very good message. <laughs> and if uh, Josh had not given me this assignment, I would have uh, re-appreciated again, appreciate again this morning. Well, uh, our calendar tells us that it is spring, it's improving, way to go God and way to go nature. And uh, we've learned in Columbus never to trust the month of March. Nevertheless, it's approaching the time and we're going to be preparing our, our gardens and our flower beds and our lawns. So it'll be time to turn over that hard soil, uh, to work in the compost, uh, to put fertilizer down. Our fertilizer people came a couple weeks ago and our grass is getting greener. It actually is growing too fast. I wish it would slow down a little bit. And uh, it's time to pull the weeds as well. It's amazing. They seem to grow year-round, no matter what, uh, what the weather is. So when I called uh, Pastor Rick a couple weeks ago uh, in North Carolina, he and Cheryl were out on their property moving rocks. And uh, Rick was very glad to take my call to take a break while Cheryl continued to work. And he said, oh, no, Tyler, she likes, Cheryl likes moving rocks. Uh, okay, all right. <clears throat> well, the point of all this is that good soil produces healthy plants. And this has been an axiom throughout history. And so Jesus chose us to illustrate the kingdom of God. He chose a an illustration about soil. And in Mark 4, 1 to 30, he describes four different kinds of soil, and each of which represents a different response to God's word and to the gospel. So the soil is the hearts of people, it's our hearts. The seed is God's word or the gospel. And the produce that comes are the, is the fruit that God's word produces in our lives and it's different for each kind of soil. So let's look at what Jesus taught. The first soil is a hardened path. Verses 3 to 4, and then Jesus interprets it for us in verse 15. Let me read this for us again. Listen, Jesus said, a farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered it across his field, some of the seed fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate it. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once and take it away. Now, I've learned the hard way that uh, most seed needs to be uh, worked into the soil, It'll probably an inch or so. And there's no way that's going to happen on hard ground. The seed is just going to sit there uh, until the birds come and eat, eat it and take it away. And Jesus said that the hard soil or the hardened path represents people who merely hear the message of God's word, but they don't let it sink in. This person has little or no interest in God or the gospel. They might have been turned off by the church. They might have been turned off by Christians. Maybe they're angry at God or they don't trust God because of all the suffering that goes on in the world. How could a good and loving God allow such and such to happen? 
Or maybe they believe that the laws of science explain everything and that the miracles in the Bible, including the resurrection of Jesus, are all just made up. Or they might think of themselves as basically good people. I treat everyone just the way I want to be treated. Or maybe at one point they were rich soil and they were fertile soil, but things have come along and they've drifted away from their, the Lord and their soil has become hard. Their hearts have become hard. Or maybe they just don't feel a need for God. They're not at the point of their life where they see their need for God. I was in a Bible study for uh, spiritual seekers, a group of men a number of years ago, and uh, one man in the group declared that he felt absolutely no need for God in his life. Uh, he was uh, at the peak of his career in midlife. He had a very bright future. He said, I have a beautiful wife. I've got four great kids. We have a home, a very lovely home in the country. And I have a big old dog named Barney. I mean, what more could a guy want? You know, the feeding of the 5,000 in the series, The Chosen, uh, Jesus said, I let people become hungry so I can feed them. You know, people are not going to uh, seek God or desire God until they're hungry. Until the pleasures and treasures of this life no longer satisfy, until they discover that the dream of perpetual happiness in this life is only a dream, until their airtight explanations against the existence of God or against miracles, until those explanations begin to break down, or until they look in the mirror and they come to grips with the fact that I, I, I have needs in my life. I am a sinful person. I need God's forgiveness. Until something like this happens, their hearts are hard soil. Now, as we go on through this message, we'll see that people don't always remain the type of soil they were. In fact, I think that there's a, there's a dynamic uh, growth between these types of soils in each of our lives. So a question for you, how many of you received Jesus as your Savior the very first time you heard the gospel? Show of hands. The first time you heard the gospel, you received Jesus. Not one of us. So for me, at first, I was like 12 when I first heard the gospel. I was about to be a teenager. I thought, why would I want to get religious when all those wonderful years were right ahead of me? It wasn't until, until uh, about eight years later that I finally accepted the Lord. So most people start out as hard soil. We all, everybody in this room started out as hard soil. And uh, we need to hear the gospel multiple times before we respond. So this should encourage us. If you have a family member or you have a friend that you've been praying for and they show no interest in God, remember how many times it took you before you responded. By the way, after several months in the Gospel of John, uh, in a learning and seeing more and more about Jesus, my friend, this man who felt no need for God, about six months later, uh, he opened his heart and received Jesus. 
And he has been a, a faithful, multiplying, fruitful Christian for more than 20 years. So the first soil is hardened soil. The second is rocky soil, like Rick and Cheryl's new property uh, in North Carolina. Verse 5, other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plant soon wilted under the hot sun. And since it didn't have deep roots, it died. And then verse 16, Jesus said, the seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The roots in shallow soil go down, but just so far. Shallow soil is commitment to God, but only up to a point. Shallow soil people often have a misunderstanding of what the Christian life will be like. It's not one endless, happy meal 24-7 for the rest of your life. God is not uh, a big Santa Claus up in heaven giving us everything we want. He's not an ATM machine that we, you know, we simply pray and immediately comes out everything that we've asked for. See, many people don't read the fine print. Actually, the Bible promises us more difficulties after we become Christians. See, we continue to have all the challenges and the hardships of life that everybody has. We're not given an exemption because we're God, in God's family now. We have all of that, plus God takes us through the process of becoming more like Jesus. Now, in the end, you know, we experience uh, incredible flourishing and joy, but the getting there is not easy. In fact, uh, in Hebrews 12, verses 10 to 11, we're reminded, our fathers disciplined us for a little while while they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who've been trained by it. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. When we give our hearts to the Lord, he does some serious house cleaning removing our destructive attitudes and behaviors. He removes those rocks so his roots, the roots of his word, can go down deeper into us. Rocks like long-standing anger and, and bitterness. Rocks like abusing our bodies by eating, overeating, or overdrinking or wasting our minds on social media, or binging on seven seasons of our favorite series, guilty as charged, <laughs> or prejudice toward people of a different skin color or ethnicity. 
indifference toward hurting people in our society, or just plain old greed, greed with our money, greed with our time. So God will begin to remove these rocks because they will prevent his roots from sinking deep into us. But he doesn't stop with these. These in some ways are the easy ones. He will dig deeper until he finds the rock of our ultimate allegiance. Our ultimate allegiance is the most important thing in our lives. So what is that most important thing? Is it God or is it something else? Is our allegiance to God no matter what the cost? Or is something else or someone else first place in our lives? God tested Abraham. Abraham, is your ultimate allegiance to me? Or is it to your son, Isaac? So your ultimate allegiance could be your career or getting the promotions you think you deserve. Maybe your ultimate allegiance is that retirement you always plan for, or a long marriage, or children who turn out exactly like you thought they should. Good health, or being surrounded by loving family in your old age. The test comes when God takes one or more of these away. You get the diagnosis you dreaded. Your spouse dies unexpectedly. You're downsized and your career is over. Your retirement account is wiped out. Or the marriage of your dreams ends in betrayal and divorce. See, God, this exposes that, that big rock that prevent God's roots from going to the deepest depths of our being. At this point, some people become disillusioned and they say, you know, this is not, this is not what I signed up for. And Jesus said, so they fall away. Thankfully, trials like this don't happen every day. But if you're a Christian, sooner or later, your ultimate allegiance will be tested like Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. Did he want to go through with the cross? Humanly speaking, he didn't. But what did he say? Nevertheless, not my will be done, but thine be done. His ultimate allegiance over life itself was to his Father in heaven. Some people hold on, some people fall away, and others hold on. They hold on to God like the ancient mariners who used to strap themselves to the mast of their ship during a storm so they wouldn't be swept overboard. Like Amy and Brian Shaw, like many of you know that Brian uh, was a son of this church. And uh, as a young married couple, Amy and Brian were on mission. They went overseas as missionaries. And then they came back and they, they adopted special needs children from, from, uh, from other countries, in addition uh, to their own children. In the eyes of many, they were a model couple and family. And then Br Brian was diagnosed with brain cancer. And for several years, he went through a litany of, of doctors and hospitals and surgeries and treatments 
and raised hopes and dashed hopes for several years. They went through the ringer. And finally, Brian died. At that point, Amy began a new life as a single mom of their 10 children. But through it all, Amy and Brian strapped themselves to God. They declared, we're not fighting against cancer. We are fighting to remain faithful and true to God. And they won the battle. In the end, in the testimony of his own words, Brian's heart was set not on earth, not even on his marriage or his children. His heart was set on heaven. And in the month after Brian's death, Amy uh, experienced an intimacy with God that was so deep that it profoundly changed her entire life. And she said, if I had to do it all over again, if I had to lose Brian, I would do it for what I'm experiencing with God now. By the way, her testimony, she shared a testimony recently at uh, the Wheaton College Chapel, and you can watch that on their website. Some people strap themselves to God and others let go. The third soil is soil that is filled with weeds. Verse 7, other seed fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants, so they produced no grain. And then verse 18, the seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, by the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things, so no fruit is produced. You know, it's amazing how well uh, weeds grow during the dog days of summer. I mean, the grass is getting brown, but the crabgrass is thriving. And like crabgrass, spiritual weeds linger and lurk in our lives, and they wait for that moment when the pressure is on, and then they seem to explode and grow in us. They thrive during our adversities. And one weed, Jesus said, is the weed of worry. Worry is an enemy of faith because worry says that my problem is bigger than God. Another weed is the lure of wealth, literally the deceitfulness of riches in the original language. Uh, wealth is deceitful because it promises security, but we know that it does not. It promises fulfillment and happiness. We know it does not. But there's a special lure of wealth for believers Many Christians think that they can pursue the accumulation of wealth and things while at the same time pursuing a relationship with God. Jesus says, no can do. You can't love both God and money. And then he talks about the desire for other things. These are the things that distract and preoccupy us. It can be our jobs and work. We're totally consumed by our work or shopping, or social media, or sports, you know, waiting for the next Ohio State football game. Maybe they'll win the national championship this year, or nonstop activities seven days a week. These weeds are an enemy to our spiritual growth because they preoccupy us, they distract us. 
And they will cause us to lose interest, if not time, for meaningful prayer and meaningful reading and meditation in the Word of God. Fellowship, they will rob us of fellowship, of time for fellowship with other Christians, or investing ourselves in younger believers, or serving Christ in the community. So the fourth soil is, is a happy ending to this story, but now I, I can feel we're sort of being weighed down. Uh, but, so there is a very good soil at the end here, and it's a wonderful wrap-up as well. Fourth soil uh, is in verse 8. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they sprouted, grew, and produced a crop that was 30, 60, even 100 times as much has been planted. And then verse 20, Jesus said, And the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. <clears throat> Fertile soil is well watered and it's rich in minerals. And it produces uh, an exponential harvest. You put one seed in fertile soil and just exponential fruit comes as a result. And Jesus said the same thing can happen to his followers. Um, people are good soil when they hear God's word and they accept God's word, he said. Now the word accept in the, uh, in the Greek text here uh, is also used of welcoming a delegation from another country, another city. As in Acts 15.4, when the, the elders in Jerusalem welcomed, they gladly received the delegation from Antioch to get a report on how that new church was going there. They, they received, actually it was, it was Barnabas and Saul that came, and they received them, eager to hear the message they had to give. And Jesus said, that's the kind of person that is a growing, reproducing follower of mine. When that happens, God's word takes root in our lives. We begin to think God's word. We begin to respond God's word. And then the fruit starts to come. The fruit of God's love and joy and peace. The fruit of, of his patience and kindness to other people. The fruit of moral goodness and integrity. The fruit of faithfulness to God in all circumstances. Of gentleness when life doesn't go our way. Of self-control in all areas of our life. And generosity, just the jo being joyfully generous with our money and our time but also the fruit of sharing the gospel with spiritually lost people, both in how we live and in spoken word. Jesus said the kingdom fruit, kingdom fruit grows exponentially, produces a harvest of 36 or even 100-fold of what was put in the ground. You know, there's no way, there is no way to calculate the amount of fruit that is coming from the, the good things that God does through your life. It has a ripple effect out and out and out and touches more and more and more people. You can't calculate it in this life. I think 
when we get to heaven, he will show us, but not now. A friend of mine uh, went on a riverboat cruise in China eight years ago. And when he was on the cruise, uh, he sensed the Holy Spirit prompting him to give his Bible uh, to one of the crew members. And at first he resisted, you know, it was his personal Bible, he had all his notes in it and everything. And, uh, but the Lord kept pressuring him, so finally uh, he gave him his Bible. And just recently, now eight years later, my friend receives a response uh, from, a, from his Facebook, on his Facebook. And it was a lady from Thailand, and she asked him, were you on a riverboat cruise in China about eight years ago? And he said, yes, I was, and I'm happily married, by the way. <laughs> and uh, she replied, the man you gave the Bible to left it on my dresser on the boat. And I picked up the Bible, and for the next year, I began to read it. And after a year, I received Jesus into my heart, and I became a believer. And all this time, I've been praying that God would help me find you so I could thank you for sharing your Bible. Imagine all the fruit that has come from this life in China over those eight years as a result of my friend's single act of obedience. A harvest of 30, 60, or 100-fold. So in conclusion, what soil describes your heart today? As I said, we can move, I believe we do move from these different soils as we're growing and maturing in our relationship with Christ. Hard soil can be turned over and become fertile. Shallow, rocky soil can be made deep. Weeds can be pulled from depleted soil and nutrients can be added to healthy soil to make it even more fruitful. So maybe this morning, are you like that soil on the hard path? Maybe you've, you're completely turned off to God. You want nothing to do with him, nothing to do with the gospel or Christianity. Or maybe you were fruitful soil at one point, but things came into your life and you've drifted. And that soil became harder and harder. And now you find yourself in this terrible state of resistance to God and resistance to his word. And you feel desperately alone from him. I ask you, would you give God a chance? Would you open your heart to him? Would you give Jesus another look? Or maybe you're the shallow soil. You're under life's pressures and your relationship with God is withering. You've been broadsided by life and you're beginning to say, you know, this isn't, this isn't really what I signed up for. But deep inside, you know that God is who you need. You know there's some things in your life that need to be removed, some things that need to be changed. You need to have those 
rocks removed so that you can have a deeper relationship with him. Maybe you're being choked by worry, by the pursuit of wealth, or you've been distracted by all the things that our society can distract us with. Are you willing to say this morning, God, help me. Help me. These distractions are taking over my life. I can feel the effect it's having on my relationship with you. <clears throat> or maybe you're healthy soil. Maybe you can see fruit in your life. Well, I have a question for you. How much fruit is enough? Maybe you're at the beginning or the mid-stage of your life and you're beginning to see some fruit. I ask you, when you get to be an old geezer, like, you know, I'm 76. That's really old as some of you. When you get to be that old, what do you want to show? What do you want to have to show for seven or eight decades of living? Is it only a successful career? Is it only, you know, getting the things you wanted to get and traveling to the places you wanted to travel to? There's nothing wrong with that. But how much spiritual fruit do you want at the end of your life? All those things, by the way, they go. You can have a very successful career, but I guarantee you, somebody who's been retired for three years, those things fade. What you are left with is the spiritual fruit. How much do you want at the end of your life? And maybe you're in the last quarter of your life and you're tempted to kind of kick back and enjoy life and just have a gradual 10, 15 year descent to death. You know, just sort of take it easy until I die. Are you content that you produce all the fruit that God has for you? You know, the last season of our lives, and I'm speaking to some uh, people that are contemporaries out there, this last season, old folks, can be the most productive season of our lives. Will you say, God, I want more fruit? I want to be bearing fruit for you until my last breath. I want to take all, I want to take all the fruit I can to heaven when I die. Psalm 65 is just so appropriate for, uh, for what Jesus taught us here in, in Mark 4. Beginning in verse 9, you, God, take care of the earth and water it, making it rich and fertile. The river of God has plenty of water. It provides a bountiful harvest of grain, for you have ordered it so. You drench the plowed ground with rain, melting the clods and leveling the ridges. You soften the earth with showers and bless its abundant crops. You crown the year with a bountiful harvest. Even the hard pathways overflow with abundance. The grasslands of the wilderness become a lush pasture and the hillsides blossom with joy. The meadows are clothed with flocks of sheep and the valleys are carpeted with grain. They all shout 
and sing for joy. If God does this for the soil of the earth, how much more will he do it to the soil of our hearts? Thank you for tuning in to the Carl Road Baptist Church podcast. We hope you found something that can be applied to your life today and into the future. You can always watch our past services or see them live on YouTube, Facebook, and our website at www.carlroadbaptist.org. That's Carl with a K-A-R-L, roadbaptist.org. If you search YouTube or Facebook, look for Call Road Baptist Church, and don't forget to subscribe or follow us if you are watching via a service that allows that so you can stay up to date and notified when another episode is ready for you to watch or listen to. Thanks again for sharing your time with us and putting in the effort to maintain your relationship with God. Have a fantastic week, and we look forward to growing alongside you in the future with the next episode of the KRBC Podcast.